welcome to Hashtag No Limits. Last week's was pre-recorded as I was on vacation, but today I am coming to you live. Hashtag No Limits is about people who society has placed limits upon, but who have busted through those limits. Ophelia says in Hamlet that the, we know who we are, but not who we will become. And I believe that 100%. And I believe that there is no better example of that than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves into nothing, into its cells, and then reforms itself as a butterfly. And then it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. And so that's not an easy process, but neither is busting through those limits that society has placed upon a person. And I also share with people who are helping those bust through those limits. Um, my guest today is Sheila, and I met Sheila about 10 years ago, I think. Um, for anyone who watches Friday with Fran, you know that Fran and I have mentioned several times that she and I worked at a therapeutic writing center near where both of us live, and that is the same place that I met Sheila. And at the time, Sheila was um, a registered occupational therapist. And so we're going to talk today about how therapeutic writing, what the benefits of it are, um, how it could possibly relate to OT, and just really get into why it is such a valid therapy for veterans, for people who have special needs, um, for people with PTSD, and lots of different people that can benefit. Everybody can benefit from horseback riding, in my opinion, but <laughs> there are specific groups of people that it is a huge benefit for. So it's Sheila, it's so great to see you, and I so appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Shelley. This was really exciting because I've never even really watched a podcast, so to be on one is, is kind of going to be kind of fun. Awesome. Good. I'm glad you're excited. So Sheila, tell us about you. I know you don't live by me anymore. So tell us, you know, kind of what's going on with your family since you left this area and what you're doing now. Okay. Well, I'm thinking I probably have known you more like 15 years than Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter because our relationship was built because we got together with the horseback riding and um, right. I am initially got into therapeutic horseback riding when we lived out here in Arizona back in the 90s, um, working in a school-based program that took all levels of children with um, disabilities from autistic up to multiply handicapped children, uh, working with horses in hippotherapy. And mm -hmm. so therapy is, is a little bit different than therapeutic riding, but it's still getting people out there and getting them to move. And that's the biggest thing with the, the therapeutic writing. And so when we moved to Illinois about 20 years ago, um, I got connected with another therapeutic writing program. And that's where I met you and Fran. And that was a really different because we got to really interact with the kids um, on a one-to-one -one basis. And we really worked together really well as a team. And that helps the kids a lot. So yeah, absolutely. So can you, you said that hippotherapy is a little bit different than therapeutic writing. So can you explain the differences between the two? Yeah, in therapeutic writing, I think you really work more towards horsemanship, where you're getting the, the people up on the horse and they're doing, they're learning to uh, move the horse on their own a little bit more. And hippotherapy is where you're, the 
people ride in a, a less than traditional manner. We might have them on their stomach, uh, across the horse, or um, facing forwards, facing backwards, but positioning a little bit different to help to um, relax their muscles to, or give them more better posture, um, better sense of uh, where they are in space, but more towards let not like reining the horse and stuff like that. So it's more towards positioning and uh, um, help and just movement getting, because most of the people in hippotherapy have, are confined to wheelchairs a lot. Oh, okay. So these are more uh, mobility challenged individuals. So then when you go from that to, um, getting them up on horses where they're more upright or sometimes, you know, they're, they're riding forwards, riding backwards, depending on what their needs are, but um, getting them up more upright. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does to me, but I mean, I kind of knew the differences beforehand, so that might have something to do with it. <laughs> so I remember some of the things that we did in our uh, therapy sessions and why, why is horse therapy? Um, and I put for the promo today and I hope I got the percentage, right? I think I remembered it. Um, that a horse's gait is similar to a human's, is it 98%? Is that the right percentage? I, that's not in my field of expertise. Okay. So I couldn't <laughs> tell you that. I couldn't tell you that, but I do, I can tell you that when, um, people are upright on a horse and you can see the way their body moves with the way the horse moves. And I know the length of stride would make a difference in how that person, their body perceives the movement. Right. Right. So some of the things that I remember doing, um, with some of our riders was like, they would ride, um, they, they, they didn't always necessarily have a, a saddle, a typical saddle. So can, Fran says hi. Um, hi she's Fran. joining us today. So welcome, Fran. Glad you could join us. Um, so tell us what that, I believe, it's been so long, but I think it was called a surcingle. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. So can you describe kind of what that is and what its purpose is compared to having a typical saddle? Okay. A lot of times we would um, get the clients on the horse on a a, a horse blanket so the mm -hmm. the um, horse is protected from you know like they need to be and so there would be like a pad and then a, the uh, a horse blanket of some sort and a source single is a device that they can use to hold on to um, the the rider instead of having reins it gives a place in in front of the rider or wherever that they can hold on to without feeling like they're going to fall. So uh, there's, a, I think it, there's probably, there's ones, I think that are single star singles that have like one and then maybe another one that has like two on it. So it gives you handlebars. Basically. Yeah. So it gives you something to hold on to. And then um, they can, we can work with them and doing different activities while they're using that for some support. So I was trying to find quickly, um, I just did a Google search of 
therapeutic writing images. And I was trying to see if one of the images that I pulled up had a surcingle on it just to kind of show the difference. But it looks like a lot of the, oh, this one. And I don't know how well it's, this picture is. like what, you know, when you see horses in, in a circus uh -huh. with riders on them and they have a little thing in front of them to do their balancing and holding on to, it's kind of like something you might see in a circus with a bareback rider. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good way to, to explain it. It's weird. I keep pulling up pictures that I'm seeing when I do this, the image search, but then when I go to try to look at a particular image um, to pull that mm -hmm. one up bigger, then it's not letting me. So um, I guess our viewers will just have to search it up Google on their own. <laughs> So um, you talked in your introduction about, you know, the differences between the two therapies and you talked about um, the rider maybe sitting in a different position, not necessarily facing forward. Um, and you talked about, you know, to kind of help them find where they were in space. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit more, kind of, kind of teeth that out a little bit as to what that means exactly? Sure. Um, when we move, in our environment when we're walking or you know just sitting or whatever our body has a sense up in there in our brain that helps us to know where we are in space so like if you're walking you you have a sense in your head it's something you don't have to worry about but your, your body automatically does it about where your body is and how you relate to the things around you so like you know you're walking in your kitchen and um, you come up by a cupboard and you bounce next to it, it's like, oh, that's there. So when you're on a horse and if you're, if you're not quite sure how your body relates to the area around you. So sometimes, you know, people who have had um, head injuries or they just have, their brain doesn't work quite the same as ours do. Um, they, they just can't, they they bump into things they don't always see things around them because they're trying to focus on different things but they're um um just working just to keep from bouncing off into stuff and so when you're on a horse it moves your body in different positions and allows you to um just since movement, like, okay, so you're on the horse and the horse is going walking forward and backwards and your body's moving with it. But sometimes people who have mobility issues don't have that freedom in their body to move around. So uh -huh. they get, they get kind of stuck where they are. And so when you're on a horse, it really, um, there's nerve receptors in our body which is kind of complicated, but when you're sitting or you're moving, your body senses that like, say you're sitting in a chair. So, cause your butt's down and your feet are down and on a horse, it, those sensors feel a lot more because there's so much information coming into where you're like, your legs are against the horse and it's feeling the heat and the warmth and the, um, then the, like even the, um, the horse hair and stuff. Uh -huh. So it's, it's those, those are the different sensory organs that are in your skin. So like heat and touch and, uh, or temperature and touch 
and uh, just pressure. So when you feel, you know, you've got your horse, your legs around the horses, you're you're feeling pressure in your legs, and so a lot of times that's real comforting for some people because they just their body just doesn't know what's going on around them. So when you give deep pressure and like their legs or their arms and on the horse the horse is providing that pressure it just makes those sensors become aware and alive and just is a kind of a comforting uh sensation for a person yeah and hi alex um she says hi from new york hi sheila don't know if you remember me but i remember you you were always great with mr man Oh, okay. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if you remembered who Mr. Man was, but I, I figured oh, out. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so hi, Alex. <laughs> she just said hi, hi as well. Um, so you talked about the heat that comes from mm -hmm. the horse. And I recall that sometimes we would have riders at the beginning of their sessions and they would just be really, their muscles would be really, really tight and they would be really rigid. But towards the middle and certainly towards the end of the session, the heat from the horse's body had worked to help relax their muscles. Right. And so that's another benefit of their horse therapy. I'm just going to, no matter whether I think it's HIPAA or therapeutic, right. you're going to have, okay. you're going to have that benefit. Um, so, so what I've heard you say so far is um, you know, that the heat is, is good. The walking is very similar between a horse and a human. And so that helps those nerves respond, um, mm -hmm. in a way that they may not, that person may not have in any other therapy because even with physical therapy, they don't necessarily get that, that motion of, you know, that they get on that horse to sort of stimulate the brain and send, you know, some different things. Um, some, what am I trying to say? Some different neurons and, and signals. Um, mm -hmm. so in your experience with the writers that you've had over all these years that you've done this, have you ever witnessed someone who didn't have any walking ability or had very minimal walking ability at the start of them beginning with with horseback riding until the end of their horseback riding that they had a much better gait or they were walking on their own or, or just even just better because of all of the horse therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you get on a horse and a lot of times people who have uh, neurologic issues, like they have cerebral palsy or they've had a stroke or um, even kids with autism who have balance issues or people who have balance issues, when you get up on the horse and you get all those muscles relaxed and holding their body, that can give them a little bit more sense of while they're on the horse, they can move their body a little bit better. And when they get off the horse, we see a lot more um, active spine extension or, or standing up really better straighter. Mm -hmm. And so, and also when their, their leg muscles get relaxed because they've been used to being so tight and because of whatever uh, issues they might have, um, they, that 
gentle motion of the horse and the heat against it loosens things up like in the in the tightness of the, not just the joints but in the muscles as well so when they're they, then they get really relaxed mm -hmm. that, and they don't, it's movement. When somebody has been in a wheelchair for all their life and they don't have us, aren't able to walk on their own. When they're on the horse, they feel that horse's movement and mm -hmm. they feel it like they're walking. Right. That's um, so cool. Yeah. It is, it, and it's really cool. And they may not, be able to walk when they get off the horse because of their limitations, but their muscles will remember that sensation and it will, they'll keep the muscles looser. And so it's easier for them to function in their environment. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this was a season that you were at the therapeutic riding center, um, but Fran said that they had a rider start in the season within a wheelchair. And by the end of the season, the person was walking and I know that one of the riders that we had, um, I, and I think you and I were both there together, Molly, she mm -hmm. has been on hashtag no limits and she shared her journey of um, having to do all of her rehabilitation after her car accident and mm -hmm. the, the progress that she made there. And um, so I'm not sure if that's who Fran is, is referring to, or if there's somebody else that um, has, has taken that big of a leap um go ahead oh i remember her and she really um we saw her blossom yeah i mean i know when i started with her she was already well on her way she had a very stiff way of walking because her muscles were all tightened because of the injuries she had sustained and she um she would couldn't always move her body the way she wanted to uh -huh. because the tightness in her muscles and her spine and everything. But when she um, was on the horse, you could just see her, um, her muscles relax and she yeah. in her legs and her arms and she had better control. And uh -huh. so when she get off, she would be tired, but those muscles were looser and she was able to um, walk better and, um, get around a little better. Right. And so someone else that's been on the show that had been out there is Rachel. Do you remember Rachel? Um, yes. Uh -huh. And so I know when, um, and Rachel's been wheelchair bound pretty much her whole life, if not her whole life. Mm -hmm. And she, as you talked about just a few minutes ago with the being in that chair all the time, um, her posture, she didn't have many core muscles to, to mm -hmm. hold her up. But over the years of her riding, I have seen some pictures um, in the last couple of years where when I was out there with you 10, 15 years ago, whenever it was, you know, we really had to hold on to her um, mm -hmm. as her sidewalkers to keep her on the horse. And um, I don't know how it went last year with the pandemic, but I know I had seen a picture at least the year before and she and, she and her mom have been on here. So I know they they're okay with me talking about her. Um, but she was able to sit up like straight. Her core muscles had had developed and she was able to get, um, and I, I wanna say she didn't have to have the sidewalkers quite so close mm -hmm. to her. I don't think she went without sidewalkers, but mm -hmm. I don't think they had to hold on to her quite so much. 
And so explain, and maybe you, you can't, but explain like how that develops, how, how that, how those, those core muscles are strengthened during the horseback riding. Okay. Um, there's generally a progression in how much support a person needs when they're getting on a horse and learning to increase their core muscles. Um, oftentimes we might start with somebody that is having some, uh, a rider behind, a person behind them, helping them to, to sit upright and giving them a lot more support because they just, um, they don't have the balance. And, and like you said, the core muscle strength. So one of the things that we do is they ride with a, a back rider, mm-hmm. uh, giving them a lot of support and sidewalkers on the side too, because they're, they're for safety issues, especially. But then the, the motion of the horse helps the, their body to go backward and forward. And we help them, we give them some verbal cues and sometimes physical cues to type you know, to tighten up their stomach, but just the movement of the horse mm-hmm. pulls, pulls you forward and backward. And so um, as the person strengthens, they need less support. So, you know, we get them to where they're, um, with, they don't have a back rider with them necessarily. So um, they're just, um, we have somebody holding on to them and they can probably, would. I don't remember if she used the source angle, but I'm sure there was some sort of device in front of her to, for balance. But um, just walking on the horse and coming back and forth is gonna help tighten up those muscles. And so eventually as you strengthen and she would be doing different exercises, you know, or just regular movement where you just you know, you need to reach forward. So some of the activities we might've done with her, and I don't remember exactly, but is just reaching and mm-hmm. holding on with one hand and using the other hand to reach forward and to, to reach for different toys or different objects in their uh, field of sight. And then um, coming back, you know, and then switching hands and moving forward and backward also. And so then, um, the sidewalkers are, are the people that are on either side for protection and for helping with balance. But then you get to a point where uh, when they're stronger, they might have somebody just walking beside them. But when they're weaker, when those muscles are weaker and you're, you're really working on that core strength, the um, sidewalkers are gonna definitely be holding on to the person and giving them support like in their legs and hopefully not having to hold on to their backs but eventually you know that just limiting or decreasing the support they have on the sides yeah and why what are the benefits to the person who has been in the wheelchair and who's kind of been hunched over and now they're able to sit up what are the other like health benefits why is that important that we sit up and that you know we work those muscles as much as possible Right, because it's all related to the internal workings of your body. If if you're leaning forward, you're not uh, getting good breath control. You're not breathing as healthfully as you could be. Um, it impacts your stomach because it's, everything's squished forward. So when somebody's bent over, and when they're either even when they're standing, um, it just causes all sorts of compressions into your belly. 
And so your, your muscles in your lungs and stuff don't work as well because you're, you're just leaning forward. And, um, but when you get better trunk control or uh, core strength control, you, you're sitting up straighter, you're taller. And so it's giving better, uh, your lungs are open more so you can breathe better. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can see better because you can see the things around you. Um, but it also gives you a chance to, um, your stomach, you know, uh, processes food a lot better because you're not bent over. And so it makes everything gut wise a little bit healthier. And then it also just gives, it makes you feel better because right. you can see what, what you're doing and you can, um, even increase your physical activity. Cause if you're not bent over and your shoulders aren't hunched, then mm-hmm. you can reach out and you can reach for stuff and you can um, just do things better for yourself. Right. So, so we've talked about the balance. We've talked about the core muscles. Um, we've talked about how it helps with walking. What other benefits are there to therapeutic writing or hippotherapy? Well, just the social aspect too. I mean, you've got all these people around you and they're focused on the writer and it gives them a real sense of uh, worth. It makes them feel like, wow, I'm, I'm a really special person. And these people are really helping me out and they like me a lot and they're helping me to do stuff. And because of them, I get to, I shine, mm-hmm. I shine. People are looking at me saying, whoa, look at you go girl. And you're just, you are just a phenomenal person. Mr. Man was one of those people. He <laughs> would just shine. He would shine and he would be so happy. And we would do a lot of singing and stuff like that just to increase their their vocal their their vocalness, uh-huh. you know, because we sing and we we in, would integrate different, you know, sometimes uh, letters and numbers and stuff like that just to increase their um cognitive their thinking skills but um we would sing songs that they would know and they would just the kids or and the writers would just bloom and blossom and they would just sing and it would make them so happy so i think the social aspect and for parents to see their or family members to see those special people out there on horses um just they would be so excited and i think that helps them also with their family life, you know, because the social aspect of family. And sometimes these people are from families that have lots of other quote unquote normal kids or normal family members that don't have the special needs. And the special needs child, when they're out in the community, doesn't always get the same attention as the the other family members. So this really gives them a chance to shine. It's their, it's their band or their cheerleading squad that they're at, as opposed to other family members. So I think it just gives a more chance at normalcy for that. And it gives the family a chance to interact and see what the special person can do. Yeah. And that's, I really like that analogy that this is their, their extracurricular. This is their band. This is their you know, cheerleading, this is their sport, whatever. Um, Because not only do, at least in the experiences that I had, not only do they 
get that attention from their team, but when they're waiting for their turn or after their session is over, there's other writers that may look like them in the sense of maybe there's other people in wheelchairs or maybe there's other people that are using AFOs or maybe there's people who, you know, don't speak as well or, and so they're around people that they probably wouldn't have the opportunity to get around if they weren't doing this type of therapy. Right. Well, and I, I can remember one young man we had who was an, had an artificial leg. And so a lot of things that we did to get him ready to be on the horse uh-huh. is he got to be involved in grooming the horse too. So that gives them an activity that, and it gets them used to being around a horse and stuff. So when they're out, if they might be somewhere where there are other horses and stuff and other riders, they can be involved in the grooming and they can see other people doing that as well. And so they get um, work a lot on their balance and that gives them a functional activity as well. So I think that's the other thing is it just gives them a chance to do more functional activities because other than we don't just focus on uh, being on the horse, oftentimes we'll have the, the rider help to groom the horse and um, they, they get to see other people doing that as well, kids, people with other disabilities, like you said, so. Right, and so can you, um, I don't know if you're still doing this on a regular basis enough, but could you kind of walk through what a typical session that you've been involved in is like. Okay, yeah. Um, what we would do initially is we would uh, bring the, the rider has their sidewalkers with them and they come up to the um, horse that they're gonna be on and they, they pet the horse and they get to know them. And um, usually they've already been on the horse before, but the riders will get a helmet to put on for safety. And depending on how much support they need, they'll, um, there's sometimes a, a little step that they have to step on to get up onto the horse if, they're amb- if they walk by themselves. Um, but other times we'll, we may have to have them walk up to a platform and it takes more people to get them onto the horse. But after they've been introduced to the horse and they're, um, seemingly comfortable with the horse and everybody's comfortable with the safety of the rider will help them to get up on the horse either um, sometimes with a mechanical lift or sometimes we would have to physically lift the, the person onto the horse and get them on there or other riders that were more independent would be able to stand on this platform that was on that the horse would walk into with the, somebody leading the horse and they could be able to step and put swing their leg over the horse or um, however we needed to get them on sometimes the position, depending on how tight the person was. Like with Molly, we would have to, she would need a lot of support to sit on the horse and then to swing her legs over the side because of her muscle tightness right. and stuff. But once you get the horse on, the, the person on the horse. <laughs> the rider on the horse, not the horse on the rider. <laughs> General, hopefully that second thing doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> that would, that, we've had some issues, but um, uh, once you get the person on the horse 
and depending on what kind of device they need, sometimes we would put them on regular saddles um, that would give some support or often, mostly I think we use the, the blanket and the surcingle just because um, it, it allowed for better movement. And I think Molly, she may have even used a, a smaller saddle. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, I can't remember either. When, once you get the person on the horse, the um, walk sidewalkers are next to the person and they either have to come down, the sidewalkers have a ramp or something to come down, but you get the person up and moving around uh, away from the where they mounted the horse and they take them out into a corral and would start out by walking them around the, the, the area there to get them comfortable with what was going on and just to get so the horse was comfortable too because that's a lot of it is the the horse and how they react to the environment but then you get the the person who's riding you do there'll be a like a plan of action what's going to happen that day what we're going to work on and like their balance or just um uh make it, decreasing their the or normalizing the tone in their muscles which is muscle tone is something that helps our muscles to contract and to help us hold up and stuff and that make us work. But oftentimes people are like Molly had a lot of uh, extra tone in her legs and her arms. So the being on the horse would help her to relax. So once we get them to where they're at a relaxed stage, then we'll um, follow up with a program of, you know, reaching and depending on what the person was, their, their needs were, um, we would work on side to side movements or front to back movements. And, um, sometimes we would, we would even turn them backwards so that they have, they would get a different sense of where the horse was going and uh, work on their muscles in a different way. But, um, then we would so we would have the lesson and then when usually 20, 30 minutes, maybe, um, and then they would come out of the the area where they were walking with the horse and then we, they would dismount and with the sidewalkers and the safety people around them and sometimes we would get to have them involved in brushing the horse and calming uh, cleaning them up a little bit because there's so much involved in horse taking care of horses right. um, so they would do that and then at the end as they were leaving they would get to give the horse a treat and that was always a fun thing so because the horses would know the treat was coming and they were really excited and the, the rider would get excited too. It's like, oh, wow, look I, look what uh, Friday gets to do or whatever the, I can't remember the horse's names, but right. um, the they would get so excited because the horse would get a treat. Yeah. And so, um, and like I said, sometimes we would get them involved in grooming them afterwards just to get the sense of where the horse was and that's why doing it to begin with helps too is giving a sense of what where the horse is and what the horse is all about and at the end just the they get to love on the horse and the horse then we don't want the horse to love on them too much because <laughs> <laughs> that, that could that could get a bit sloppy but right. they the and then they would proceed off the where they dismounted and go back to like where their family was and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you were talking a lot about reaching and um, so why again, explain, um, because I remember learning about crossing midline. 
So it wasn't always just reaching forward and backward. It was also, why is it important to cross the, so the midline is the center of your body, basically. So why is that important to be able to do that? And what does that help stimulate in a person? Oh, lots of things. It helps your eyes, especially because it gives you a sense when you follow your hand from one side of your body across to the other, you're seeing your, your eyes are following it as well. And so it's giving you a chance to use your eyes to reach for something that's across from you on either side, but it also works on those muscles in your chest where you ha- it helps you to turn and move your body from side to side. And um, when we see things in our eyes, the um, we have to use our eyes together to work and focus on a, on an object. So like, if your eyes don't work together very well, it's because we work bringing your hands together because when you bring your hands together, it makes your eyes draw to the same spot. And the same is true when you're reaching across, it's giving your body, your eyes a chance to follow to where you want them to go. And that's important with all sorts of different things, you know, just in daily living skills, you know, you gotta be able to see what's around you. So if you move your body, your arms across your body, it gives you a chance to see what's on one side or the other, but then you also are working your hands together to do stuff in the middle at the same, you know, in between. So. Yeah. And so what, so we've talked about some speech things. Um, well, I, I don't know that we've talked too much about speech. We've talked about occupational therapy types of things that would be done in a typical occupational therapy setting. We just mm-hmm. finished talking a little bit about physical therapy that, you know, a lot of the things that you can do on a horse that would have been done in a typical uh, PT session and the speech. So um, let's cover the speech a little bit and talk about some of the ways that you would get the kids or the riders. I, I, I typically think about kids when I think about this, but I know that there are, like I said, we've had um, veterans and people with PTSD. Um, so talk about some of that. Not being my real field of expertise, but <laughs> one of the things it does with people, like I said before, you're working more on uh, their core strength and their ability to sit up and to react around them. So what it does, it helps your breath control because if you have problems with breathing, like people with asthma and other lung issues, you got to work on building up your endurance in your lungs, just like you do in your, um, the rest of your body. And the same thing applies when you're trying to work on speech. If you don't, you need to get enough breath control and enough, uh, mobility through your lungs to be able to produce sound and to be able to, um, uh, let people hear you because a lot of times like people with Parkinson's disease, they, their muscles tighten. And so they aren't able to breathe as well and they can't express as well because their things are, the muscles are tight and the lungs are tight. And so when they're on the horse, they would um, be able to loosen up some because sometimes jogging and bouncing and stuff will help to uh, just make the body work better. And that's one of the things in speech, you've got to be able, the same thing happens inside your mouth as happens outside your body. You know, those muscles are 
work the same way as the rest of your body does. So you need to work on, uh, we could do stuff like, that's where like singing and stuff comes in handy because you're working on moving those uh, mouth muscles and those facial muscles. And um, that's all part of speech is you have to have muscle control in your mouth and your, your face in order to talk. Right. So the reason I asked about that is because in a, in a therapy session, and at least in the ones that I was involved in, um, there was occupational therapy happening. There was physical therapy happening. There was speech therapy happening. And there was behavioral emotional therapy happening. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit to the behavioral emotional? Like how does um, therapeutic or hippotherapy affect their social emotional and their behavioral? Um, well, like we kind of already talked about the social emotional stuff, you know, with the just increasing their self-esteem and all. Um, one of the things it does is it sits, sets boundaries. So when you have a person who has behavioral issues and you want them to be able to uh, improve that area, you know, you want them to be able to go out in the community and not have meltdowns or problems with interacting with other people because they touched you or because they looked at you. Um, the good thing about being on a horse is we can it's positive reinforcement. It's a reinforcement to, to do expected behavior or I don't wanna say expected behavior, but uh, more socially appropriate behavior. It's kind of- Yeah, I say wanted, I say wanted versus unwanted behaviors. Oh, that's a perfect way to put it, yes. Um, there are goals that we're trying to reach. <laughs> so they have these wanted behaviors and it being on a horse and doing those kind of things gives better eye uh, um, where you're looking there you get um, eye contact with them mm -hmm. and that gives them a chance to see what you know to participate because you have to have eye contact with a person in order to really communicate um, right. that way you know they're um, they're with you yeah. And so when you when you're communicating with them um, and you get that eye contact or the wanted behaviors, it just makes everybody feel so much better. I mean, yeah. it gives us a social sense of, wow, you can do it. Look, guy, you can do these things. This is what, you know, and it makes them happy and it gives them a sense of. Uh, sense of them. accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. Accomplishment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and responsibility. I know um, there have been times, not just with the center where the, you and I participated together, but in other centers where I've spoken to people that they have had people, um, you know, even like juveniles who have gotten into trouble with the law and they've oh. had them come out and they teach them how to take care of the horse and how to muck the stall and how to, you know, the feeding and the brushing and, you know, all of the stuff. And there, there seems to be for a lot of people a, a very strong connection between them and a particular horse often, but with horses in general. I mean, if a person is comfortable with horses, um, that that bond is, it just seems very strong. Has that been your experience as well? 
Oh yeah, because the thing about a horse, they're not judgmental. Right. People often are judgmental, but horses are not. And when you can bond a person with a horse, um, it gives them a sense of love and caring and nurturing. And the horse gives that back to the person as well, the one who's learning to give the horse. And it gives you something functional to do. And it is, and it makes you feel good. It makes that person who's maybe has never had trust in another individual, they yeah. can trust this horse and they can trust the, the horse trusts them. And so I think that's one of the biggest things is it, um, it, it encourages and improves trust and uh, a sense of well-being for the person. Yeah, I've, I've been around horses most of my life. I had um, someone who owned horses and they just lived up about maybe you know a block or so from my house. And so growing up, I was always at their barn and they would always just let me be in the pasture with the horses or be in the corral with the horses. And um, I've just always had such a love for horses. And then when I became an adult and had developed this love for people who learn differently or who, um, whatever is the right way to say that now, <laughs> seems like every day it changes, but um, working at a therapeutic writing center just really put two of my loves together. And I absolutely was thrilled to be part and to see the change in some of the writers. And so you've done this longer than I have, and you've had experiences outside of the therapy center that we worked in together. So I'm going to, I want to give you a little heads up. Um, I want you to tell some of your favorite stories or your favorite experiences. Um, so can you do that off the top or do you need me to talk for a minute and give you a chance to think about it? Well, I think one of our little people, I think it was Rachel. She's just a little fireball, mm -hmm. right? She's got, she's the one with the big, beautiful eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And her mom is, her parents are so supportive and her dad also, right. right? Yep. Yep. She would just giggle. <laughs> I had 15 and that's that's the thing about her and some of the other writers the ones that don't always have the same verbal responses as people as other people mm -hmm. she would we we just do something and she would just get so tickled by it she would just giggle the whole time yeah and then there was another one that was very much the same way she we would start singing and she would just blossom and um it was really cool I really um, enjoyed it. And then when I've worked with my more multiply handicapped individuals, not necessarily there, but uh, in other places, they just, they just melt and they just love the way it feels being against laying on their bellies against the horse because it just gives them such a sense of relaxation and yeah. just enjoying being there. And then the kids that are, oh, like Molly, I mean, she just, uh, she was such an inspiration in yeah. the way she, she improved. And it was, it's really nice, like you said, to be able to see progress in how these people, these individuals respond. And um, 
I would like to get to some point where I work. I don't know if I'll ever be able to, but I think it's really cool the way um, working with veterans with horses and stuff, because these people may have had some experiences with the horses in the past or not, but it also gives them a sense of being able to um, enjoy life. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. These, like Rachel, she was just a sweet thing. She is, yeah. is a sweet thing. And she would, you could just see in her face how much they enjoyed it and how much they loved being there and participating. Yeah. yeah. So what experiences, wait a sec, what I want to ask. I, I'm, I'm looking at our time and we have about 10 minutes to go. So I want to make sure that we cover everything that we can. Um, and so what experiences have we not talked about? What benefits have we not talked about? Are there any in either category <laughs> that we haven't discussed? Um, I, I personally, you know, if there's a place around you that is watching today that has a therapeutic writing that you could become involved in, whether you become involved as a volunteer as I did, whether you need to be a writer, um, I strongly recommend it because as I said, we've, we talked about um, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, behavioral therapy, vision therapy. Um, I mean, it's all rolled into, and there's academics involved. Um, oh, you know, yeah. we would, we would have the kids, uh, the writers, you know, we taught them shapes, we taught them colors, we, we had letters, we would, you know, have them doing different activities that involved those things so that, you know, they would have, you know, go to the, go to the orange cone or put the, the blue triangle or, you know, whatever it was. And, and you did mention it a minute ago that um, within their plan, they had goals. So um, can you talk a little bit about like you as an instructor, sort of what your process was when you would get a new writer and how you would develop a goal for them? Okay, um, give me a minute here. Oftentimes we would, not necessarily where you and I work together, but some, we would get their IEP like you, uh, mm -hmm. you work with from the education from the school uh, therapists to figure out what things they needed to work on as far as like um, cognitive or educational issues as well as um, speech and PT and OT. But we would um, build goals because we, um, on a realistic point, sometimes we had to uh, send stuff like to inference in order to get funding for some of these writers. And there is a financial is issue with that, but I never really worried about that. But our goals were to help improve their quality of life and their their mobility and their ability to interact with other people. Um, and I think is that where is that where we're headed? I think yeah. that's was um, a, a big part of it. So we would start out when we got a new person, we would they would come sometimes with some goals and stuff from other therapists and 
or from the, that we would ask the parents or, or the um, caregivers of that person what things were important for them. Mm-hmm. And the person, the writer could help us with that. We would talk, involve them in that process as well. And then we would um, come up with quantitative ways. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Things that we can measure to <laughs> their progress. So like um, how long, like a number one goal was to increase the amount of time they could be on the horse because sometimes people could only be on the horse for a very brief time. And um, the goal would be to increase the amount of time they were able to tolerate that because their endurance or even just their, their overall personality couldn't allow them to be on the horse for a very long time because it would just be too much. So we would, that, that was the major goal is to increase the amount of time they could be on the horse and participate in the activity. And that would all be dependent, like I said, on the person and the, their, how they reacted to the event. And then so other goals would be, you know, uh, reach across their body three or four, uh, five times during uh-huh. an activity. So we have a, a measurable way of showing progress. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, and I think our listeners probably have figured that out, that it wasn't just, hey, get on the horse and ride around for a little bit. I mean, we've talked about it throughout that there were different activities that would be done and different things that would be used to get them, you know, to get the rider learning and having a lot more benefit than just sitting on a horse for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever their, their session time was. Um, I think the one writer that I posted her picture as part of the, um, or as the picture for today, um, she is someone that I know, and she just happened to be a writer out there. And she was very scared of heights. And so I'm not sure if you were still there when she joined, but they put her on a mini, mini first mm -hmm. and got her comfortable on a mini and then moved her up to a full-size horse. So, you know, that's just another way of accommodating and figuring out what the particular rider needs. And um, once they got her up on the big horse, I mean, now she rides around and, you know, she's got her arms up in the air. And they, I just think about the amount of trust that is involved with riding a horse. Not only do you trust your horse, but when you're in a therapy type of setting, you also are trusting your sidewalkers your horse leader, if you have a back rider, you're trusting your back rider to protect you and take care of you. And I remember a couple of times when they would have us as volunteers be the rider so that we could get Mm -hmm. the experience of what the rider went through. And especially when they would have me sit backwards and I didn't have anything to hold (laughs) on to. Yeah, that, that, you know, the different, like you said, the just side to side and it's like, wait, oh, okay, you know, where, where, what's happening? Um, and it is, it is a really, a really neat and wonderful experience. Um, and it's just, there's so many things for, that are helpful in therapeutic writing. Um, I, I just, I can't speak highly enough about it. And it is, for those of you who have, 
a child with an IEP, it is a therapy that, as Sheila said, there's been tons of studies to show how beneficial this is. Um, and so, you know, that is something that, that could potentially get worked into an IEP is that your child gets hypotherapy or therapeutic writing. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in look, learning more about, please reach out to me. Um, and Fran says, thank you to both of us for doing this talk today. Um, and she also says, um, when I was talking about that we became the writer, she actually did become a writer. She um, went from being an instructor and then after her strokes and concussions has become a writer. And so learning that that whole trust issue that these people are going to protect you um, has, I'm sure, been a, a big shift for her. So Sheila, we have just a couple of minutes closing type things here. What do you want to wrap up with today? Anything that we haven't talked about that you want to be sure or any, any encouraging words or, or what do you want to wrap up with? I just think it's really cool that you're um, bringing forth a program that helps other folks to recognize the potential in people with that learn differently. Well, and I you. think that's really cool. And I think that's one of the really cool things about any kind of uh, working with people who have disabilities that we can help them have a sense of normalcy mm -hmm. and that horseback riding is a really cool way to do it um, because there are so many aspects of it that just relate to our everyday life. Yeah, so there really are. All right. Well, Fran and Alex, thank you for joining us. And anyone else who joined us live, I forgot to give that whole spiel at the beginning. I'm so bad about that. Um, but I got this cool new toy over the weekend. So if you liked this, give it a thumbs up. Um, subscribe if you watched it on the YouTube channel. Make sure that if you are watching on the Facebook page that you like the Facebook page so that you get notified every time I go live. Fran and I will be back on Friday um live we didn't have an episode last week again because i was on vacation so i just thank you all and make sure that you're subscribing you're liking you're commenting you're doing all the things um so that more and more people the the algorithms will work in our favor and more and more people will will be able to see this kind of stuff and be exposed and have their world changed like i've had my world changed for a couple of decades now um so i thank everybody sheila it's been great to chat with you again. Thank you so much for being on today. I so appreciate everything that you did um, when we worked together and that you continue to do where you are now and uh, talk to everybody later.